This is the Friday, January 20, 2023 installment of the Market Analysis segment from Market to Market. Argentina's wet week dampened any extended bump from last week's bullish USDA report. For the week, the nearby wheat contract lost two cents, while the March corn contract gained a penny. Outside markets helped the resistance in the soy complex. The March soybean contract sold off 21 cents, while the March meal contract dropped by 1260. March cotton improved 441 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, February Class 3 milk futures lost 42 cents. The livestock market was lower with February cattle down $1.10. March feeders cut 190 and the February lean hog contract shed 82 cents. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index lost 17 ticks. February crude oil bumped up 151 per barrel. Comex Gold added 670 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index finished more than 10 points higher at 611.50. Joining us now, regular market analyst Elaine Cub. Hello, Elaine. Hello, Paul. Thanks for the invitation. Good to have you here. Uh, as you drove through, I, you always get to say you're in wheat country. Snow, moisture, landing on some of this area, pressuring the U.S. crop. Is the U.S. crop story the only one in wheat right now we are following, or you are following? No, and I wouldn't even say that the portions of wheat country that I drive through that do have snow cover, those are not even the major wheat portions in Kansas, for instance. And the, you know, the, the, the weather folks came out with their climate prediction for the next three months just yesterday, and it suggests that there is this band of moisture that will continue to come sort of down through Montana and then swoop down into the corn country, but continues to skip western Kansas, eastern Colorado, western Nebraska, this very arid region that has been so dry and was extremely dry at the end of the fall and hasn't received the moisture that it would need. So, you know, we always kill the wheat crop over the winter, um, so we don't want to, you know, p- uh, pound that too hard. But I, I wouldn't say that the U.S. wheat crop uh, is in great condition moisture-wise, even though some portions of the world have gotten some, some snow. Well, let's speak about the world. Mm. Putin and Russia yeah. said something about exports, and all of a sudden, we're going to keep some, we're not going to keep some. Was that a bigger influence on the trade? Yeah, actually. So the Russians have come out with their with their more official numbers from 2022 and suggest that they had a great wheat crop, actually. I think maybe even record large. But you're right. It's, the, it's how much of it are they going to export? Or are they going to put the kibosh on that and try and keep that in-house to maintain domestic prices? Exactly. It's it's very schizophrenic sort of scenario of what, what somebody says from one day to the next. It's not even so much of the production. It's whether or not it ends up on the export market. All right, give me a range. Where are we headed? Higher, lower, and by how much? Boy, it's speaking of schizophrenic, it's, it's really hard to get a, a read on, on the hard wheat varieties where you do have this inverted carry structure in the futures markets, which ordinarily you'd interpret to be a very bullish scenario. But really on the supply and demand tables, it's not like we're running short of wheat necessarily. So there's, there's conflicting, conflicting information or conflict, conflicting signs from the wheat market. And I would just um, say perhaps they'll be guided by the dollar or by the outside markets more than, than anything confirmed on their own supply and demand. Yeah, the dollar was off uh, this week, and that was a good story for the dollar to be lower earlier for commodities. But corn-wise, let's flip to that. Uh, Export demand or export sales were a little better than we thought. Top five this week, Mexico, South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, China. Exports better than expected. Is that going to be enough to add some bullishness to the trade? Well, I mean, I don't think that's going to be the savior of the U.S., 
corn market. If you're looking for higher prices in 2023, exports is, is not going to be where it's at. There's going to be so much competition from South America. You mentioned the weather there is really the driver of these markets from day to day. And I think that's that's really going to be where the feed grains exports and oil seeds exports is, is, is going to be focused in that continent rather than us. So in the U.S., you know, our, our demand here is strong enough domestically on its own without even worrying about, uh, you know, tweaking those export numbers. Well, let's look at numbers then. Up about, uh, we're back up almost to $6. Right. But the trend looks, if you had to say a pennant way, we're headed lower. Sure. And, and this is the tendency of commodity markets, right? We, we had very high prices helped by the Russian war in Ukraine, helped by inflation. But some of that has already passed through. And the, the eternal tendency of commodity markets will always be to go down towards the cost of production. So in my opinion, the, the likelihood is that we're going to move lower rather than higher. I don't see a reason that we would go back and retest the summer highs at this point. But we are well supported because, you know, Folks are willing to go and pay these prices for things. People are willing to pay for ethanol. And I think we should expect to see energy prices really surge here in the next three months. We have a couple of energy questions we'll get to in Market Plus. So I guess that's my tease uh, for that segment uh, after the show that we record that's only online or on YouTube. Uh, Elaine, about corn as a range. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on this program, it was discussed, why are you storing? Then last week, there was the USDA report that said, well, maybe, but I still wouldn't be storing. Are you storing any corn right now? I mean, I think there could be some upside to the old crop. I, I am a seller of new crop because of what we just talked about, the tendency of, of these markets to move down. And if we get, you know, some decent weather in Argentina and we have an expectation for neutral weather in the United States once La Nina sort of fades, I think we should be selling new crop. But if you have corn in storage that's unpriced and you don't really need the cash that badly, yeah, I think there's some possibility uh, in these volatile times that you could have old crop prices move slightly higher. All right, beans, Brazil. How big is that crop? Big, record large, yeah. And I think that that's, um, that's validated by the weather that they have seen, any sort of maps, satellite data imagery that you see coming out of South America. I think you can very well believe that Brazil's soybean crop is going to be record large. Argentina, the USDA has obviously trimmed the production numbers out of there, and the private estimators trim that too. But Brazil's crop, you know, is three times the size of Argentina's, and it's about 50 million metric tons, or 40 million metric tons higher than the United States' uh, soybean crop. So Brazil's the leader. They're the ones that are going to go out on the export market, and when they have a record large crop, I think we can expect that to, to be influencing the markets lower. Well, and we have a question that came in via Twitter about this uh, exact direction. So let's go to Bradley in Nebraska. I know Bradley was busy this week. They were in that snow blanket I don't think, a blanket sounds like it was good. I think it was miserable for many. Uh, he's asking, uh, Brazil announced it can add 6 to 8% more acres a year by taking pasture out of production. In total, they can add 60 million acres. So Brad's question is, is this ground productive enough to offset the lost acreage in Ukraine? And then he extends it one more, is this bullish for beef? Well, this is quite a question. I mean, this covers a lot of ground. Three continents, really. Um, so to start... <clears throat> To start with Ukraine's lost ground, actually, I'm not sure there is that much lost ground. When you look at what they were able to harvest in 2022, it was 95% of what they had originally planted for feed grains generally. And I think some of, some of their production is lost because of less inputs going into the crop. But honestly, other than the 22% of ground that's you know, past the front line, and is, some of that is still going to reach the market one way or another, whether it's under Russian ownership or not, um, 
Ukraine is, is not really lost as much as that. However, their exports to China, so they were a good seller to China, and Brazil is able to step in for that, whether they're taking it uh, ground away from the rainforest or from pasture or wherever it's coming from. Yeah, Brazil's the ones that's stepping in to do that. Coming out of pasture, is that ground productive enough? I mean, that ground is very fertile. It's been planted to pasture. That's not native necessarily. So that availability, if you've got the logistics, the roads, the railroads to get that stuff to market, I believe it is productive ground. Which is always a concern there in Brazil is about the infrastructure. Let's get to livestock for a minute, live cattle. Uh, Trading in areas that still look okay, but there seems to be maybe some flashing lights of danger ahead? Yeah, I mean, and even... Even or from the, caution. Yeah, I mean, even from way down the supply chain to the grocery store level or the, or the wholesale level, box beef prices continue to kind of dwindle here. And so I think if you were looking for a boost in live cattle prices or the cash cattle market, this is not the time we're going to see it. The, the signs are, are generally pointing towards a little bit of a slackening there. And I think that that's, that's appropriate seasonally. It's, it's, it just needs to be expected. But I'm, I wouldn't expect the market to fall out of bed completely. The supply and demand, the fundamentals are still there for that market to be supported. Cattle on feed came out Friday afternoon. What did we see? Exactly so. So the cattle on feed is showing the total inventory is down 3%. The little snippet in there that's uh, an interesting piece is that the heifers is only down 1%, which means the heifers are, are going into feedlots and not being maintained in the herds, which means all of this destruction of the herd continues to happen. So your long-term outlook for the deferred futures contracts is still as bullish forever. E- even though analysts were going into this report expecting that inventory number to go down more than that, I don't necessarily think the market is going to react to this with a big bearish reaction. Not react bearishly, but for how long, though? I'm talking about a Monday thing. Okay. Like, I don't okay. think we're going to come okay. in on Monday and have a big, yeah. you know, thing. All right, uh, hog market. We're going into the Chinese New Year. Yes, they might. Uh, they used to celebrate with American pork. Not been a lot of celebrations in China. Is that? Are we still caught up in the? They're still coming out of COVID and not buying as much U.S. pork. Well, right, but the expectation is now, and this is sort of my input about the the energy prices, is that the expectation is China is now out of lockdown. You're going to have folks going back to restaurants more, doing more economic activity, driving around more. So I have an expectation for crude oil prices to go up, fuel prices all around the world to go up, and potentially pork prices as well in China, and then that would carry over into the export market as well, potentially. But we also saw from China this week smaller population, slowdown of their economy. That's a very, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, on a very, you know? very long term basis, sure, but they still have a lot of people that eat a lot of pork when they are not being locked down 10 days at a time. Okay, so we're going to talk energy and cotton. If you want to get 15 seconds in on cotton, we've started to, we've rallied two weeks in a row. Have they bought enough? Are they buying acres? I don't know that it's at a price level where it can really compete with the profitability of soybeans particularly, but also corn in a fertilizer scenario, depending on how fertilizer goes. I don't know about buying acres, but I think of cotton in the same way that I think of crude oil and any of these other uh, global consumer commodities, I think it has potential to go up with China's fortunes. Thank you, Elaine. We are going to put a pause on this analysis and continue our discussion about these markets in our Market Plus segment. You can find those segments on our website, of markettomarket.org. Next week, we are going to look at how small-town meat lockers keep niche markets rolling post-COVID. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week.